But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Your co-host, Julie. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> your co-host, Thorsten. Ah, I'm still in pirate mode. <laughs> <laughs> and and your co-host, Jacob. Is the parking brake on? <laughs> Friends, we have guests today. Uh, we, we, we weren't sure when we were going to get them, but it all worked out. We have joining us from Canada and Ireland. Well, so we're all over the map today. We're literally all over the map today. Uh, Matt and Paul, the developers of This Means Warp. Welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, it is a delight to get to talk to you guys because uh, we we streamed this um, a couple of weeks ago and um, we had so much fun playing this game. You guys have made such a marvelous thing here. Like, I don't even like FTL style games, typically. They... I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't say this before because I wanted to surprise you with it. I don't like FTL style games typically because they give me anxiety. Like I'm always worried about killing a crew member and I get really attached to them, you know? So, so I usually don't play these kind of games, but your game is, is a great balance of being lighthearted, but also serious. Like you, there are a lot of ways this game stre- like walks a tightrope. And, and you guys have done such a fine job in balancing things like human versus uh, human and AI crewmates, you know, uh, resurrecting crewmates, that sort of thing. Like no one really dies. So it's great. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's been a long road. It's actually been really challenging to try to walk that line because we know it's a, uh, it's a roguelike. So, you know, you die and, then everything's done and your runs over. So it's been a lot of work to try to figure out the right way to make that fun. And I think it's really just down to shenanigans is probably the the main thing that uh, I think oh. separates like a game like this from like an FTL. It's a little less serious. Oh my God. You could have called this shenanigans, the game and it would have worked. That would have been uh, <laughs> cause that's what this game is. It's just one piece of shenanigans after the other, if you think about it. And it just, it just really worked. So I might be jumping ahead. Uh, friends, if you're not aware, well, how about you get gentlemen? Uh, what, can you give us the, uh, like the elevator pitch of what this means warp is if folks, cause f- they're probably aware if they're listening to this podcast, but just in case they're not, how would you describe the yeah. game? Uh, so we say it's a, a multiplayer spaceship management roguelike. Um, but the easiest way to describe it, as you might, uh, have alluded to there is it's kind of like FTL, but meets overcooked. So it's, uh, it has the structure of a roguelike where you're learning and strategizing and trying to get further and further in each run, uh, but the minute-to-minute shenanigans of a fast-paced multiplayer co-op game. I've actually never played Overcooked, and now I really want to. I've, I've, never, I've never played it. I've heard good things. I've heard, I've heard really good things. Yeah, uh, you're missing Brian, out. Brian, you remember when we played... Uh, totally reliable delivery service. Oh yes, that was great. Yeah, Th- this has so- the same sort of feel. You know, Overcooked has that same sort of feel of just controlled chaos. That's true. And Control is a strong you're just word. Barely managing to hold everything <laughs> together. Controlled is a strong word. 
when did you guys start working on this thing? Because it, well, the, the, the version we had seemed really polished already. Yeah, it's it's been a long time now. Um, I think way back in 2018. So it's been about four years that we've been building the game. Uh, and it did not start that polished. So it's been a very kind of slow one step at a time road to, to get to where we are today. Um, we're launching tomorrow for uh, anybody who's unaware. So the game's going to be uh, available for purchase on Steam. And so this morning I was just trying to go and take a look at some of the old old shots and old builds that we had just to do a bit of a comparison to see how far we've come. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been a lot. <laughs> it's, it's pretty different from, me, from where it was four years ago. Now, one thing I, I wanted to touch on uh, that amazed me about your game, and I, I'd like to talk a lot about this if you don't mind, is the AI uh, crewmates. Now, um, it, it's tough to get AI right. AI is a very tricky thing. But the AI uh, for your crewmates is, it's astounding. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's astounding because they seem, they do their jobs. They do them intelligently and, and they don't get in the way and they don't like get stuck. Like it was amazing watching two of us play and have two AI crewmates and having the AI crewmates do exactly what you would want them to do when you wanted them to do it. So you didn't have to worry about them. How much work, I, I, I'm not going to say you got them right because that's like, that could jinx it, but they're, they're marvelous. So how much work into went into, into, into the AI for, I guess, both the enemies and your crewmates. Cause it's just marvelous. Well, thanks, first of all. Uh, the answer is a lot. Um, so uh, what's quite interesting is, um, further to the, the point that you were mentioning earlier about accessibility and, and making it uh, a game that uh, isn't necessarily too punishing or allows people of different play styles to play, then I think the AI was really a core part of that. Uh, and originally, we just had a one companion if you were playing single player, just to allow you to experience the same kind of um, gameplay as if you were multiplayer. But we expanded that out as we saw people were enjoying it more and more so that you can recruit crew members if you're playing one, two, or three players. And then I guess what you also mentioned there is the uh, enemy crew is all AI-based as well. So we just used a similar system for both ships and uh, and try and you know utilize it the best we can. So uh, they're, not, they're not perfect, not perfect yet. We still get uh, a few people um, who uh, suggest comments and things, and, and it's really interesting to see the... the uh, unusual scenarios that people find themselves in uh, with the uh, with the AI and there's a few things that we can add there but all in all I think they've, they've been coming along and we've had the feedback through alpha and through beta where we've had players you know a lot of people in the in the game testing them out and, and making suggestions so we've managed to improve based on those uh, that that feedback from people yeah it was just amazing watching them like because we we play so many games and there's so there's so many games where especially like this where the the crew the AI just isn't that good. And, and either you tell them to do a thing and they either get stuck on a piece of scenery or they don't do it quickly or they don't do it right. But when, when you tell your, when you, I, I love how you kind of give your AI uh, just kind of jobs. Like you can kind of direct them too, but you can give them jobs to do so you don't have to micro them. And, and they do such a good job doing the jobs you've asked them to do, whether it's delivering ammo or repairing things or whatnot. So, I, I, I got to say, like for a single player, especially like myself, I usually prefer single player games. Seeing a game with good AI is really just wonderful because so many games just either don't have AI, good AI or don't have AI at all, you know? So uh, I wanted to thank you guys. 
Yeah, you can you can kind of understand why as well with the amount of you know it takes a lot of work and and experience with people playing to really iron out a lot of the AI uh, issues. But there's also an element where you can't make the AI too good. Otherwise, you could potentially end up with the player standing around just watching things happen on their ship. So that's another balance that you have to kind of consider. Um, some of the suggestions and things that we got from people were great ideas to make the AI more efficient and more effective. But it could potentially ruin the game if you were just waiting around, waiting for the computer to do things. So um, it's somewhere in the middle is, is kind of the balancing act. Yeah, and 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 this this game seems to be multiple balancing acts. Like not just the AI, but the the tasks you give the player. Like like you like the one we only played with the one ship, but the ship wasn't too big that it took you too long to get to a thing and deal with the situation, for example. So so that was nice. And it was it was like there was a lot of chaos, but it never felt unfair. It never felt like, oh, I can't get there in time because the ship's too big or something. So oh how God damn it. You know what I mean? So um, you guys seem to be walking a lot of tight ropes with a game like this and and succeeding. What was, is that like the biggest challenge is balancing all those things out? Honestly, like that's been uh, like you, you described it perfectly. We are walking a lot of tight ropes and with the style of game, it really can like tip one way or the other very quickly. You can either get overpowered and it stops being fun or you get underpowered and it feels like there's no way to come back. And so it's just been like, I guess like one of my personal mantras for like how to get a game to be balanced and tweaked is just small, continuous adjustments. Like it always, I always found when I was playing a game, like a, you know, a big MMO or something, they do these giant patches and waves and they like overhaul four classes and they make a thousand different changes to something like all at once. And then everything's now broken just in a different way. So we've really taken the approach where like we have a bunch of basically files where I can go and fiddle and tweak numbers. And just every time we play, I'm, I'm probably changing something by just a little tiny amount to try to get it to, to tune in a little bit better. And uh, yeah, we've just been doing that constantly for four years now. <laughs> so it's finally getting a little better, but there have definitely been some stages where it was really like, you know, everything felt fine until it got wildly out of control just because one enemy fight got really hard or something. So uh, yeah, it's been same thing, just a lot of little bits of work to try to get us here. So is that where you say would you is that where you would say you are in the development now? Like you have the foundation built and now it's like a lot of live tweaking and and adjusting to to refine it, to make it to build it toward 1.0. Is that where you guys would say where you are right now? Yeah, I think we're really going to be focused in on uh, two things. One, just, yeah, balancing in general. Uh, I think we're at a pretty good state, but obviously once we launch tomorrow, we'll hopefully get a big enough audience <laughs> that we'll learn all the areas that were wrong. And uh, the other piece is just, yeah, now that we've got all the core systems in, and like Paul is saying, he's done a phenomenal job with the AI, and we've really just built everything so that it's kind of modular. So now we're just going to be in a position where we try to you know work on extra content. So we've got some new content uh, drops planned post-launch already. And uh, we're looking to kind of expand out everything that's in the game. So it's pretty full as is. Like We've had a lot of really good feedback from players feeling like, you know, the game's in a really good state for being an early access launch. Um, I think because we've all been burned by EA games before that aren't really mm -hmm. games and they're half done or something like that. So this is the state where we want everything to be to be able to launch and feel like really, really satisfied with that because, you know, we're gamers ourselves. Like I wouldn't buy something if it wasn't put together. But um, yeah, the next steps are really just uh, content. So new missions, new guns, uh, new interactables, like different enemy types and just all sorts of different ways to kind of change up the game. 
And one of the other really cool things about the game is because everything is kind of uh, everything pulls from the same systems. So like enemies can get if we put a new gun in, the enemies can get it, too. And so what we found is by adding in like one or two new items, it actually just adds a ton of variability to how the game plays. So it's been a lot of fun because previously, like we did a gun pass where we put in like four new guns or something and the whole game changed. Like it was just a complete toss up for for where everything was from like balancing and, and functionality before. So uh, it should be really cool because we're in a spot now where we can pump out a couple new things and it's really going to add a lot of variability for players. So we, we, um, we played the, uh, I guess it's the early access version, uh, for roughly two hours. And I felt like we barely saw the tip of the iceberg. Um, well, you, you did. I, I, I did, excuse me. I did, but in I've those, two, <laughs> I'm saying in those I've two had, hours, I got 10 hours with it, I got 10 hours with it uh, up, up until today. And I've been through the, the current amount of levels twice, um, on easy. I'll, I'll, make sure that's clear but i have been through that twice and there's a lot to see which i will not spoil um yeah there's uh probably about 10 like i'd say a good 10 hours of content of just straight kind of playthrough grinding and stuff that should pop up but again because of the the variability and the kind of procedural nature of the game um you'll you know, get a lot of different loadouts. There's always a different mission type. There's a different way to do weapons. Um, Paul and I are currently working on a, a nightmare mode as well, so that for people who enjoy a challenge, you can kind of like continuously push the boundaries of that limit. It's live in the demo as well for anybody who's given that a shot. And that lets you kind of like play on a harder difficulty and then unlock another harder difficulty and kind of just have an unlimited amount of replayability if you're, you're having fun with the game. Oh my God. Yay. <laughs> I, I, I felt like easy was a challenge. For me, so I can't imagine playing this on Nightmare. Oof. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we we've played a lot of the game, so it's gotten to the point now where we just need to keep putting in modes to challenge ourselves. After a few thousand hours, you get pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that's amazing. Thousand hours, my God! And you guys clearly are on board uh, after thousands of hours. So that that speaks to the longevity of the game. Yeah, there was a period, I think, where uh, I was getting sick of playing because we'd been stuck on the same content for a long time. We hadn't added any new pieces. We were working all the fundamental systems. And then we kind of pushed a big that, that big content load for a while there after, uh, I think it was after the alpha. And it just revitalized everything. It got so much fun. And yeah, like we still have a good time every week. We sit down and do at least one run and it's constantly a blast. Now, Speaking of the balancing acts oh. from, uh, from earlier, it's also, you know, we're thinking about the differences when you play with like on your own versus with people or with two people or, or four people, then the game changes quite significantly because the amount of chaos and things that we can throw at you has to be balanced based on the number of players. So um, that also means it can vary up a, a run quite quite a lot if you go in with a different group of people who are more or less experienced in the, with the game. You can get a load of new content with that as well. Does the game kind of does the game adapt to like how you're playing? Like, can it see like, oh, they're doing really well. We need to up the ante. Can it? Is that like a thing, or are you just talking so, about num uh, number of players? It adapts to the number of players. It more adapts to the number of players. So, with it being a roguelike, we want people to experience the challenge, and that means that there has to be a, a real serious risk of dying because uh, that's where it really what gets your heart rate up. Right, so uh, that's part of the fun of the game is is struggling and dying potentially before you reach the end, and then playing again, learning from those experiences and getting further. So in order to get that experience, we can't cheat too much. 
in terms of adapting it. So if you're going too well, it, it kind of hammers you, or if you're, you're doing poorly, it saves you. Uh, just because we want to make sure that your progress is determined by your skill level and your coordination as a team. There might be a couple of hidden features that nobody quite knows about that we do small adjustments here and there, but yeah, the general gameplay stays the same based on your difficulty. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, so one thing I love about the game, uh, and I know, I'm asking all the questions, got co-host, if you have anything to say, please interrupt me. Uh, I don't want to hog the all thing. Right. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because Luke mentioned something that I wanted to talk about. Okay. And that is the artwork. I just, the, 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 uh, cell shaded artwork that, although I don't know the game that he mentioned, wacky racers. Uh, but to me, it, it's a, it, a little like Borderlands kind of cell shaded. And I I love pants. I don't know if pants is supposed to be an alligator and the other one is supposed to be a bird, but it's like little animals with heavy weapons. What's not like? Well, thank you for that. Um, actually, we when we set off to make the game, we were originally just going to do human characters. And I was sitting down one day and just kind of fiddling around and drawing. And I drew a little alligator slash crocodile. And then I was like giggling to myself because I put Crocs on them. So I sent it to Paul and I was like, this is happening. Like, we got to do this at the game. <laughs> it was a really that. fun choice. I really like it. Yeah. And then since then, actually, I think most of the fan favorite characters, usually like everybody seems to have a different style, but. I think Pants is a pretty common fan favorite. Cook is up there as well. So a lot of the animal characters have been very well received. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy we did that. And plus, it's just been a lot of fun to draw. I think trying to draw a bunch of different people, like a lot of games just have, you know, one character model and then they just give them different skin tones or hats or hair or something like that to mix it up. And it doesn't really feel personal. So with our game, we got to go and uh, it might not have been the best choice in terms of efficiency, but we've I've done every character totally custom. So they've all got custom rigs, custom animations, custom, like just giving them some more personality. So they've all got that kind of character to them. So uh, even everything, you know, when you select them in character select, they do a little dance. Like I got to go and do an individual dance for every character for their personality. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun to, to bring them to life. Yeah, from a functionality perspective, that one thing that was kind of a, a great side effect of that as well is because there's so much going on uh, on on screen, especially in the later later game, then having individual characters with that personality and and with uh, that uh, different animations, different shaped characters, really helps you identify yourself on the screen and differentiate between your crew members and, and things like that. So that's also that personality carries through from a functional perspective to make life a little bit easier when there's just massive different amounts of explosions and things on fire and and uh, where you have to be you know, jumping to, to the second of, uh, of things happening on the ship, um, which was a really nice side effect of that art style. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very clean art style and having such distinctive characters. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. Um, definitely uh, makes them easier to spot with all the chaos going on. Uh, that I, I want to build upon what Julie said about the, uh, the characters. And I want to talk about the humor in this game because not a lot of games get humor right. Humor is a hard thing, especially in video games. It, it's 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 really tough to do right. But your game is hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. Even with all these battles going on and, and whatnot and all these high stakes, it never stops being funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for that. Like We've been 
I think Paul and I bicker every week <laughs> about something and we get into it all the time to try to make sure that it's as funny as can be. Uh, and we have very different styles of humor. So there's like a lot of contrast between the two of us, but like, honestly, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give Paul some serious credit here. Like he writes a lot of the jokes or, or at least takes the first stab at them. And like, they're really good. Like, you know, uh, and then there's just a lot of kind of low hanging fruit. I think that's more my humor. And then we've kind of tried to match and, and find a perfect blend of that, that just, uh, I don't know. We feel like it works at least. So I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, yeah, it's being received well. Yeah. It's actually something that we didn't necessarily set out to do, um, but it kind of evolved over time. And when we were seeing people play the alpha and the beta and having so much fun with the organically created humor, which is people getting sucked out into space or things bursting into fire just as you arrive at them, then we wanted to lean into that more as the game was being developed to try and emphasize that, that feeling throughout. Yeah, I, I, I think my, my favorite type of I think my favorite bit of the humor is like your corporate overlords and, and how like they just clearly don't care, but they're trying to act like they care, so they you think they care. <laughs> but so just oh my god. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of dark, dark humor in that. Uh, I was going to say that some of that humor is really emergent where <laughs> Once you figure out some strategies, say, for example, if you get the timing right with your shots, you can send the enemy crew as they're going to go repair that gun you just knocked out. You can send them out flying into space because you destroyed the bulkhead near them. And that's a funny thing when you first figure out, hey, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that from the functionality perspective. And as a, a addition to that, one of the things that um, we just kind of threw in uh, without too much thought is uh, we put little names over the enemies. So when you do suck them in out into space, it might be you know, um, I don't know Matt, Paul, or Brian, or wh- whatever you know, <laughs> is a little name appears above them, and then you're like, "Haha, suck it, Brian!" Like I, I got you. So that was a really small thing, but it, it kind of emphasizes that personal relationship you have with that that moment um, to try and. Like saying, kind of emphasize that um, that humor in that organic event, taunting them as uh, as they go flying. Yeah, I actually got my first giggle uh, a, f- a few seconds in uh, when Richard appeared, appeared first, and uh, it's simply great that it's uh, modeled after Hal. Oh also, yeah. The name of the also the name of the captain is very very interesting. <laughs> captain Crick. Yep. The Captain Crick is the starting point. And yeah, we've like, uh, we've just had so much fun too, getting to, I guess, give a nod to all of our favorite sci-fi and space references as often as possible. You might also notice the color of shirts that the original crew is wearing. Um, but yeah, we've just like, the game's just littered with, with little nods and references to all these other great things that have been created in the sci-fi world and references. And, um, yeah, for, Again, I won't drop any spoilers, but for anybody who plays through the the full game, like yeah, it's it, it carries through all the way to the end. The Can it's just been a blast getting that in there. What were you gonna say, Spaz? I said I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right now, uh, let's talk about the content that people are gonna get tomorrow. Uh, what do we? We're talking about five hours of content, roughly five or ten hours. Is it going to be only the one? Sh- I've only seen the one ship. Like, how many ships are uh, going to be uh, available on launch, and and that sort of thing? Like, what kind of content are we looking at from the beginning here? So, for early access launch, then yep, there's just the uh, the one ship for the moment, um, and then 
uh, it's really difficult to say, you know, as an estimate of, of how much content there are because it's designed as a procedural and replayable game. So uh, we think you can play, you know, 10 plus hours without uh, running out of new things to discover. But that doesn't mean that every time you do a run, um, it's not different. It's like it changes. So you get um, events in different orders or more challenging enemies in certain areas um, versus others or different encounters. So um, I would say, you know, we've got, um, I, I wouldn't actually know off the top of my head, but like between 30 and 50 different encounters, some of them being full missions, some of them being uh, more kind of dialogue uh, focused. So you make choices uh, and um, whether or not they pop up is is completely uh, random based on the based on the run. So uh, there's plenty of uh, mini games that you can play, which are different types. So you, we try to have a bit of an ebb and flow to the stressful nature of combat. So you're not always just in a, a near death experience. Uh, so there's some fun encounters to be had in there, some trading encounters, uh, as well as plenty of enemies, bosses, uh, and things that you have to strategize uh, around the combat as well. Yeah, one of the, I think my favorite uh, specific encounter slash minigame, even though it's probably my most maddening, is the EV is like the EVA suit thing. Is it a race or something where you have to catch a thing in a certain amount of time? Am I remembering that's right, Spaz? Uh, so, there is there's a couple that are EVA uh, related that that I've come across at least. I've come across at least two. Uh, the uh, there's one where you have to uh, pick up something that is outside, and then there's another one where you have to reach certain waypoints that are outside. Yeah, I think that's the one I was thinking of as the waypoint one, because because the, the the fire extinguisher method of control is again hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think Paul was watching Wally. <laughs> I, was like, I got an idea. <laughs> it kind of linked in with the um the, the thing you mentioned earlier about the kind of corporate overlords as well because they've skimped out on actual safety suits so you have to propel yourself with the fire extinguisher so um yeah it worked quite well in game but it isn't isn't an easy thing to, to master no i i will i will confirm that it is very it was really mm-hmm. tough trying to uh because I, I was fighting my own brain like i'm pointing this way i should be going that way but no I have to, i'm going the opposite so uh that was that was very difficult it just takes some getting used to. It's yeah. uh, treated treated like a reverse twin stick shooter, and you can probably be okay. Yeah, what's uh, what's interesting? The um, so we hadn't really anticipated this, but um, we found actually some of the um, players that were playing the beta or playing a lot actually started to pick up a fire extinguisher before they went out in for any scenario because they can you can actually move quicker with a fire extinguisher outside the ship than you can swimming space swimming. So. Um, the, the the pros of the game of once you've got that down is actually quite a useful tool to take with you for other missions. Huh. <laughs> yep, that's pretty interesting. Well, that works. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, little like easy to play, hard to master stuff that we've some have been intentionally left in, and some things like like you know fire extinguisher, kind of boosting yourself at the start of some mini games and stuff has been something that uh, some of the other players have discovered. But uh, yeah, there's a bunch of little kind of little tricks that you can use that, again, I won't spoil anything. I think it's a lot more fun to figure this stuff out yourself. But uh, for players that are looking to kind of like try to improve or if you're getting stuck on harder difficulties or something like that, there's a lot of little kind of things you can do to optimize your gameplay. And it really helps to to get through some of those tougher fights. Yeah, I got to say the uh, the design of some of the fights is really impressive. There's was that one space station that keeps rotating around and you have to take out. I believe the reactors, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That was ve- uh, that kind of stuff. I thought was very clever, like super duper clever. Yeah, without getting into the specifics of how you fight it. Um, yeah, it's a very. I think it's a very cleverly designed fight. Yeah, thank you. We've we put a lot of time and effort into boss fights as well. That's something that, um, I, frankly, has been like one of my areas that I just love trying to work on boss designs. So, um, yeah, every boss has some uniqueness to how you have to kind of engage and, and deal with those encounters. Uh, obviously, the first one's not too challenging as uh, you're just getting into the game. But as you get deeper and deeper in, they get like really, really wild in terms of the stuff you need to do and the different mechanics and um, yeah, we put a lot of effort into trying to make sure that the bosses are different, right? It's not just fighting another ship that's been procedurally generated because everything is generated. You kind of, we don't know what you're going to get and run into and or what you're going to encounter. So we wanted to make sure that at least for the bosses, we had a little bit of control to say, okay, here's something you've never seen before. Good luck figuring it out and, you know, making sure that you, you figure out how to, how to get through the fight. Yeah. It's, I like the puzzle aspect of that, uh, to, to put it in those terms. It's, it is like figuring out a puzzle and what you figure it out you're not brute forcing it you're you're just working out the timing so to speak yeah exactly and that's another one where we've seen a couple of different interesting strategies um trying very hard to make sure that nobody gets any spoilers from me but uh yeah we've seen some players do a couple of different like find different approaches to the same boss to to take them down um there is usually like i guess what we would consider a best approach just because that's we've designed it around the way that we were playing the fight but uh again every once in a while somebody does something where you go yeah i didn't think of that and uh it's uh it's kind of cool to see different ways people have utilized that yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a lot of different loadouts you can get on your ship, right? So like, even though you might go, oh, well, this worked really well last time because I had a fast gun. And then you get there this time, you're like, oh, all my guns are really slow. It's time to come up with a kind of a slightly different approach to make sure you can still get through. That's another area that takes a huge amount of balancing and time, but also just thought. So whenever you add something into the game, uh, if it works slightly differently to what's in the game already, then you just have to consider how it interacts with all of the different possible systems that you can get in your ship uh for the reasons that you want that emergent gameplay to be consistent so people uh get the outcome that they expect if they try and combine different types of systems in their strategy i've got to say uh, the balancing is pretty good uh i've played it yesterday on uh, medium difficulty and i was pretty surprised it never felt unfair and uh that's that's the thing i i, I experience a lot in other games that uh obviously don't have as much testing and uh i was i had i really had fun on 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 on, on medium i've got to say without any uh without any frustration which comes obviously uh, a lot in the, in this kind of game yeah we've we've really tried to make sure that if you lose you can say that it's your fault uh, like a lot of other roguelikes, if you look at, you know, uh, some of the really popular ones like Hades, Binding of Isaac, like those types of games, they all have, um, well, like in Hades' case, it has like the Dark Souls role, right? Where you get like this inv- invincibility frames button that you can push so that when you get hit, even it's always your fault. Um, and in our game, that's just not a possibility because realistically, you're not playing just as your character, but your guys are also collectively playing like as the ship. And if the ship can avoid taking all damage, it's probably not that fun of a game. So we've come up with a couple of different ways to try to make sure that you can take damage, but it's not too punishing. And then at the end of the fight, you know, if you lose, you can stop and kind of go, okay, 
why did we lose? And you can try to ask those questions and figure that out yourself. Uh, in the earlier days of development, I will say there was fights that just murdered you and there was nothing you could do about it. But uh, every time that happened, we were playing, we'd go, okay, well, how can we make it so that you have the possibility of getting out of this situation? What can you do? Um, and so some of the, the small changes we made, for example, is we just modified what can load into an enemy ship. So you previously used to be able to get like a, a ship that just loaded nothing but AOE guns. Well, if you ran into that, you basically lost the game. There there's just no way to keep up with that in terms of just the amount of time you needed to fix all those things that were getting broken. So we put like a little bit of a cap so that you won't get a ship that, you know, loads into a way that can just absolutely obliterate you. So I, it's always nervous to say this, but I would say now if you lose, it should be your fault. Uh, and there should be something that you can do on the next run to, to mitigate that. Should. Should, well, from yeah. From what I've played of it, the, the 10 hours I've put in, I'd say that seems fair enough to say. Uh, just from the time I put in, and granted, I haven't been playing too much on the harder difficulties, but yeah, yeah. If I if I lose, it's my fault. So I had to figure out what did I do wrong, and then don't do that again. Yeah, and then we've uh, also got like the nightmare mode we put in challenge, uh, the challenge run in the demo, for example, is something that we're looking to bring into the full game. And that's an area where technically we'll let the numbers crank up to a point where you can't necessarily win. But that's the other one for those players who really want the hardcore challenge. Uh, they can get in there and you know possibly surprise us like we've already had some players get to a higher level than paul and i can get to so uh it's been very cool to see people come up with strategies to really push the game to its limits when we let them just kind of go wild with the hardest like the hardest challenge they can come up with oh my god (laughs) yeah not for the faint of heart though that is certainly not an expectation (laughs) since you brought up the demo i wanted to ask something about that um is the is like is is there going to be a demo again available once the game goes live again tomorrow are you going to put the demo back up for people? Yeah, the demo should be up now, and oh, is it? it will okay. continue to be up. Okay. Yeah. So um, if people just want to taste it, taste the game, then uh, they can play the demo. And the demo itself has two modes. It has the first world from the easy difficulty of the game, um, but also if you really want that challenge, it's got a replayable challenge mode, which is actually harder than a lot of the game because it ramps up over a short period of time. But that'll give you a sense of how the game compares in the early game versus the late game uh, within a short little experience. And I, I wanted to ask because um, for a while demos weren't a thing and now they're a thing again. Um, have you found them particularly useful for, for hunting bugs and getting feedback and that sort of thing? Have you found them useful? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, One of the core tenets of how we were developing the game is it was also to in, involve the community as early as possible. So our alpha was actually like a year and a half ago. Uh, our beta was last year as well and then the demo came out in in october so between those three things we managed to gather a load of feedback and and watch people play and and get a sense of what people like what people don't and and get their feedback directly i think also the resurgence in demos is partly down to steam as well yeah Uh, so valve uh have made a big deal about the next fests so we launched for next fest in october last year that is a great way especially for indie games of getting some exposure on steam uh, around an event like that. So that's probably a, a big reason that uh, devs from the dev side are also pushing demos more than they were is the popularity of those events. And then people seem to love them. Like we get great engagement from the, um, from the demo. Uh, so um, we're you know, planning to support that as long as we can as well to, to just allow people to have a little taste before they uh, decide whether they want to buy the game. Now that's, that's wonderful. Cause I, I'm, I'm a big fan of demos and, and they went out of fashion for quite a long time. 
you know, but then, uh, yeah, like you said, steam had their next fest and now they're back in fashion. And I think it's just good for everybody. You know, it absolutely is. You know, um, something that nobody has asked about yet. And I'd like to ask about nobody's asked you about your company and how is it somebody from Canada ends up having a business with somebody from Ireland? I bet you there's a story there. That's a great question. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I move a lot is basically the, the short version of that. Um, so I had moved to Ireland, uh, a few years ago and was when you move to a new place, you don't know anybody. And so one of the outlets that I found is really great is I've joined indie game development communities kind of all over the world. And it's been a wonderful way to meet people who are, you know, like intelligent and passionate and doing something kind of cool with their, their spare time. Uh, so I'd noticed, I think Paul had made a post on an indie group in, in Ireland, basically saying that he was looking to, you know, he's teaching himself to be a developer and he'd been working on these this, this other game and he was looking to, you know, just kind of meet more people. So, uh, he and I started chatting on there and we went and grabbed a pint and just started talking about, um, at the time I was brand new there. So I was saying, ah, I don't really have time to like get into another game project right now. And so I was like, but I'm glad to help. So we sat down, we started talking about, you know, he's like, well, I want to start another game. So what kind of like, you know, I'd love to just chat with somebody who is, you know, similar, has similar interests and like figure out what I want to make next. And so we came up with this great idea for this co-op space game and you could like fight, you know, the enemy ships at the same time. And actually the initial design was very different than it ended up. You were, we actually had kind of two screens in the first build where you could fight enemies on one screen and you could drive and repair your ship on the other and we found it didn't work very well so we ended up putting both the things on screen at the same time which actually pulled the game a lot closer to like the ftl feeling um but yeah we, so we started discussing the game and, and what we thought would be really cool we got really like passionate about this idea and then i was trying to just be like a passive advisor but it didn't it didn't last long i got pulled right in and started working on development and uh yeah we've been building this ever since that was about four years ago so uh this is not your first game You've worked on games before? Yeah, so I've worked for a, a company as a, a... Actually, I used to be a programmer. Uh, I'm doing all the art for This Means Warp, but I, I did all the coding for other places. So I worked as a, for a company that did AR games uh, for like mobile experiences at parks and stuff like that. And previously, I released another game called Super Robot Jump Jump. Uh, not quite up to the quality standards, I think, of This Means Warp. I've learned a few things over the years. But uh, yeah, I made a... 2D platformer, kind of a Super Meat Boy-esque style game. Uh, and if you don't like hard games, then that was the wrong one because I did not hold back. That game is ludicrously difficult. I... What? <laughs> yeah, Shogun, did you say something there, sir? Yeah. I said, that. I, okay. Oh. I, okay. Yeah. I don't have much else to comment on the topic. Uh, okay, because I've been wondering... Uh, let me phrase my question. So I'm actually wondering because this game has an interesting uh, setup, an interesting uh, premise, but I'm wondering what the game's general market that you are sort of going for would be like, because I'm trying to figure out like, who is this game for? It's not that I don't like it. It's just kind of a semi-rhetorical question because it's an FTL like, but FTL players tend to prefer a lot of strategizing and uh, uh, and a lot of thought put into their actions. Uh, combining that with a with a chaotic, panicked co-op game, which yeah, yeah, it's I'm an unusual. That's a bad com- combination. But I'm wondering, like, what the target audience would be. 
Because it's also and, not the people who play like Artemis or Quintet or uh, Pulse Lost Colony, which is another thing, I, another set of games I wanted to compare this to because paradoxically that sort of that style of gameplay a co-op space game works far better in a in a roguelike setting because sessions in a roguelike don't last for several dozen hours it's not an overarching campaign that goes on for however long so you don't have to set the damn thing up in advance like a dungeons and dragons game and have to align four schedules for four hours over the course of once per week but like who is this game for generally speaking it's a really good question and something that we put a lot of thought into because there aren't that many games that fill this space. Uh, and you know, we've kind of found the, the reason for that you know, is it is so difficult to balance and you're kind of trying to cater for different tastes. So we've got a relatively broad audience, I would say, because we do have the people that like the hardcore roguelike type experiences, um, but also those that maybe want to play with their partner who isn't too familiar with games or their kids or you know, want to bring in someone that's uh, more of a, a casual gamer than, than hardcore. So it's kind of uh, split between those. But there's quite a few um, cooperative roguelike games where people want to uh, have a experience of anywhere between, let's say, an hour to uh, two, uh, one to two hours with their friends where they can group up and, and play together cooperatively rather than competitively. And so there's uh, games like um, Gunfire Reborn or Risk of Rain 2 or Deep Rock Galactic. And it just so happens that a lot of those tend to be first-person shooters. So uh, all of those games uh, weren't even announced when we started uh, developing, but that's the kind of mindset that we're trying to apply to it, where it's uh, relatively accessible, but uh, brings people together as a group, as a team. Uh, and we built from that into the um, single-player experience as well, where you could have more uh, of an experience closer to something like FTL, but with a much faster pace. And then the other thing that we, we found uh, from our initial research is when we're talking about party games for people, it's usually a very short experience. So if you play a game like Overcooked or something like that, then you complete a level, but then the level is over within two or three minutes, and that's like a natural drop-off point, and then you have to pick it up again. So we thought there's an opportunity for that experience, that kind of high-tempo adrenaline, to carry through with a strategic underlay that carried you through multiple encounters. So you're gradually building up and getting more and more attached to the equipment and you know your crew as you go on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because... yeah go on. Because exactly as I've said, this is uh, co-op games. Tend, the co-op games tend to have the issue that getting one person to play something for four hours straight is easy-ish, but getting four people to align schedules and play something for several hours in one sitting is not the easiest thing in existence. Uh, trust me, I know from experience. I have to try and do that on the weekly. <sighs> yeah, it's definitely a fair point, and this is also one of the critical things that was always on the roadmap, something that we um, based the game around really, was online multiplayer. So it's great when you're playing with your friends and you can chat them over Discord, but if you haven't got a lot of friends that play PC games, so for, for example, a lot of my games, uh, my friends aren't big gamers, then you can also find new people either on our Discord community or uh, online uh, in the game itself and play with them. Uh, so it's not not required to have other people that you need to round up for a, for a session. Or you can play single player as well if you if you prefer that kind of experience. Yeah, I fully agree with you, Paul, uh, because uh, we, we did a multiplayer game uh, before the before the uh, podcast now, and uh, it was a real different experience to uh, to other games like uh, uh, Artemis or, or Palsa in that, in, in, in that regard, and it was much more fun. And you can really uh, 
get someone into into that in in a very short amount of time, actually. And I like that because it is, because it is so very approachable compared to yeah, yeah. a lot of other games. There's a much that lower does. yeah. There's a much lower barrier of entry for this than say Artemis or Pulsar. Uh, yeah. yeah, fully. Agree. Yeah, we've uh, we've gone in with the, that kind of mantra as well. Like, we want you to be able to play with a controller with very simple buttons and like you know nothing crazy complicated. But again, like uh, one game that I love is is Rocket League. Right? You can play Rocket League when you're terrible, and then you can watch a pro play Rocket League, and they're amazing. And they use the same controls, same car. You know, they haven't unlocked anything you haven't unlocked. But like the the ability to expand your capable your your skill is basically really there and so we've gone with a bit of that for this means warp it's not nearly the same skill ceiling as something like rocket league but um you can certainly you know get better and figure out what you're doing wrong but also just like have a good time and play kind of in a potentially easier difficulty or with other people and uh i see mike wrote in the the comments that you know it's for um him and his son it's like yeah that's that's kind of something that kept happening as well as every time we'd watch people play there'd be a different group of people playing the game and they'd go, oh, this would be great with, you know, so-and-so. Like, I, we had some people saying, oh, my significant other doesn't play games, but I think they'd be really into this one. Or, oh, my kids would have a great time with this. And so, originally, Paul and I were just aiming to make, build a game that we like because, you know, that's where you start. And then, as we kind of saw that expand, we went, okay, well, maybe, you know, like, for us, we've played, as I said, like, over a thousand hours now. So, easy mode isn't for us anymore. But we still wanted to make sure we had that in there and to support that, you know, anybody can come and pick it up and have a good time. So, it's a... It's a terrible question for like a marketing team because they're like, what's our target audience? And you go, oh, I don't know, everybody. But like in terms of a game, it's been great to just be able to say like, yeah, I, hopefully anybody can pick this up and give it a shot. I think the only people who might not be into it is, you know, people who just are adamantly against indie games. But outside of that, you know, it's uh, it kind of fits for everybody. Are there people yeah. who are adamantly outside against indie games? I, I've met them. I met a few, you know. It's um, a number greater than zero. It's a number greater than zero. Yes. What? I know. It's, it's, it is crazy, but they are out there. I mean, you know, I I don't understand them, but they exist. I don't I don't understand them either. <laughs> you know, uh, one thing I wanted to say I appreciate so much is because the my job that pays the bills is extremely high stressful and there's a lot of money at stake in any given day and i end up screaming a lot to myself and so when i encounter a game like the one brian has been playing before this and it becomes a job i just I turn it off and i say look i'm just done and at the end of the day this reminds me of something that's just fun to play like cosmonautica and i don't know if anybody else has played that but it's a fun little space game it doesn't take me i don't have to sit down and have to figure out exactly how to play it i can just jump in and have fun like we did this morning with torsten and spaz and thanks spaz for being our guide of course that's kind of why we're in game development really myself and matt i think matt mentioned it earlier if uh, something's more fun, then we put it in. If it's less fun, then we don't. And so the whole purpose, the reason that we love making games, the reason that we um, you know, don't do the, the kind of stressful corporate uh, side of things as, as much as to bring that kind of joy and sense of fun. So um, that's, that's hopefully coming across in the game itself. Yeah, like this is uh, a game I think I could introduce my wife to who doesn't really play games very much. And if she does, she wants as few buttons as possible. And you guys have done a really good job uh, making it very controller efficient. 
the one button space game, yes. <laughs> and well, not exactly one button, but it's very few buttons. Very few buttons. Yeah. So I actually have a question that's a bit of an that's a bit of an odd one. Not sure if you even can answer it. Uh, because I just I just looked over the Steam page, uh, the Steam uh, Steam store page, and you managed to snag a publishing deal with Jagex of RuneScape fame? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm wondering how that happened. If there's something to it, like how how does how does an indie space game uh, get picked up by of all people? I mean, I know Jagex has done a couple of games before that they picked up. There was uh, there was the Ace of Spades remake that we don't talk about, but they don't really do much. And on Steam, they have RuneScape and RuneScape uh, accessories mostly. So how did they snack? How did they get in contact with you how did you like how did that happen yeah it's a, it's a great question um so um a lot of luck is involved um but uh, we were talking to a few publishers um and and uh we're really fortunate when uh, i went to the uk to uh, the egx uh, game showcase um towards the end of last year then um someone from from jagged just came up and it just so happened that a number of the team had been playing the demo uh, and um, we're really, really loving it and, and kind of got a little bit addicted to it. So that kind of sparked the conversation. And what we found is um, Jagex, I think, are looking to expand their portfolio specifically on games that are built around community. So the fact that we'd had the alpha and made huge changes to the game and then the beta and, and really involved our community all the way through the development process really aligned with what Jagex were looking to do as a publisher and expand their portfolio with with that type of community-driven game. So uh, we really bonded over um, that uh, uh, that approach, and that's something that you, I think you probably have seen with with RuneScape as well in that um, kind of player-led development pipeline. Um, so um, yeah, it just it just so happened that the stars aligned, and uh, we uh, we signed uh, towards the end of uh, last year, just before Christmas, and and they've been amazing help uh, ever since as well. They're super passionate about the game, bringing a load of skills, resources, and expertise that um, as a small indie studio that we, we wouldn't be able to match. So it's been incredible. So we're, we're super grateful to, to them for jumping on board. And, and it's, been, it's been really exciting, but it also means that the future is really exciting as well because we've got all these plans that we wanted to do uh, past early access launch. And that means that that's now a reality. Now we can plan that uh, as a, you know, a, a updates past, past release. So we've got huge plans to expand the game uh, through that partnership with Jagex as well. That's... Brilliant to hear. Now, I, I know I'm on this podcast I'm allowed to be snarky, so I will be. Uh, I sincerely hope that Jagex Limited has learned their lesson, uh, has learned their lesson from Ace of Spades and aren't go- and aren't just gonna rework the entire sodding thing because they feel like it. What was well, I can't speak for Jagex, but there's under no pressure to make uh, changes. They're they're on board because they love the game and they're you know they've they've been fantastic to work with them. Totally. So Happy for us to drive that. Remind me, what was Ace? What is or was Ace of Spades? I don't think I know. Ace this. of Spades was a simple indie game. It was essentially a, in the heyday of Minecraft clones. It was a uh, block building competitive shooter. Pretty simple stuff. Huh. Uh, pretty simple stuff, but that simplicity. Uh, uh, but that simplicity and the uh, and general. Uh, oh yeah, like the, the store pages uh, got posted, but. Initially, it was a simple indie game. You had two teams. Uh, you had uh, your, your equipment was a rifle, a shovel, uh, and blocks. And you could. And the big appeal of it was you could bu- you could you could build and break stuff uh, on the map. It's pretty much to your heart's content. So you could do all kinds of fun stuff with buildings, trench lines, uh, bridges, and all that. 
the problem became when Jagex picked it up, they just kind of decided they're going to rework the game completely and just keep the base elements, but then pile on like 70 to 90% new stuff, including like a class system. Um, what else? Uh, a progression system, more weapons that broke the balance, a jetpack because you just get to you just get to ignore the game's complicated. It was a mess. It was a mess. Uh, you can't buy it anymore, apparently. Because it got taken off store shelves due to the sheer vile, uh, violent um, backlash towards it, which is highly unfortunate. Uh, because Ace of Space by itself was pretty remarkable, uh, if rather simple. So, thankfully, hopefully, I mean, um, Jagex has learned from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say at least from from our end, working with the team at Jagex, like their their genuine approach has been: you guys build this, and like even our roadmap coming up, uh, like we're entirely flexible on it. So we've said like many times with Jagex, like our plan is to be community driven. So you know, if the community says actually we don't want this, we want this instead, then we can shift and pivot and, and go into that. Um, and all those decisions are entirely with with us and with outliers. So like. Uh, Again, I, we weren't around or involved in Ace of Spades at all, so I can't really speak to that. But at least in our situation, like the last Paul said, they've been fantastic and nothing but supportive in the sense of like, you know, you guys, this is your baby, make it, make it great. And, you know, they trust us entirely in that sense as well, where the game's gotten this far on, on us designing and deciding what to do next and how it should be put together. So they've just basically been there like, we are here to support and you guys build. So it's been, yeah, great relationship on that front. So, um, uh, and that's the genuine truth. They're, they've been awesome. Hmm. Lovely. I, I wanted to ask this question mostly because I know the answer now, and it's almost always never in these cases. But when, when does the Switch console version come out? <laughs> uh, so we are aiming roughly a year. No, no specific date yet, but we are aiming for in roughly one year to do the full 1.0 release. Uh, and the plans for that uh, today are to do all consoles. So that's uh, whatever Microsoft, Sony, and Windows, or, um, not Windows, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo console is, is out at the moment. So presumably they we're aiming for that to be Switch. Uh, and we'll do a full, uh, kind of also a full release on PC. So that'll bring it out of early access. Uh, so we have more content planned for that, that we're working on. Uh, we've started on some of that already, actually. So we're going to try to get more content developed, more stuff into the game, and also have that ported across all consoles. So David's question from the chat, then will there be cross-platform uh, between consoles? Uh, hopefully, is the answer. So uh, we're going to try for it. Uh, technical issues aside, you know, that's a, that's a very complex networking um, question. Uh, but uh, the plan is for it to be um, cross-play as long as the technology allows. So hopefully we can get everybody playing together, because that's you know what we love about the game is bringing people in. That would be great. Uh, we've got also another another question in the in the uh, chat from Luke. Uh, what about uh, boarding actions in the game? Is uh, something in such a direction planned or not? <laughs> this is a, a, a good question because it comes up very frequently. So this is one of the top requested features from our community uh, and something that we've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, and the, the, the uh, only reason re really that it isn't in the game already is just a question of how do we balance this with the existing game system? And the, the, the fundamental element of that really is just the time it takes for players to potentially get across to uh, enemy ships or be on board enemy ships to uh, achieve any action 
uh, erodes the time that they're able to run around their ship repairing things and, and um, interacting with their systems. And that means that the, the game can kind of run away with you relatively quickly if you don't have ability to reach those, those systems. So um, that's the kind of challenge that we're, we're thinking about. Um, but uh, we are definitely open to suggestions and, and working out how it might work uh, for future updates. I, I'm thinking, yes, thank you. I, you need I, something like a player cannon. You know, you yeah, go onto the cannon and it shoots you over to the other ship. That's how you get over there quickly. It doesn't guarantee you can get back, but that's not the problem here. Well, I was thinking like sending the, sending the players over there might be a little too complicated. So maybe have like a drone thing you can send over there to wreak havoc. You know, yeah, that is so. actually one of the one of the ideas that we've um, kind of thought about um, internally as well. A little bit is is something that you control remotely from your ship, so that you can kind of at any time jump off and still run around and fix something if it needs happening. But um, nothing nothing finalized yet, but um, it is it is a good idea. Oh, that'd be a fun thing, like a remote controlled drone, make it look like Maximilian from Black Hole. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh we have had drones in the game previously as well for one of the interactables that we've we've tampered with we've stripped them out for the time being but uh yeah it's definitely something we've been fiddling with and honestly the i love the boarding question because it's one of those like oh my god we've tried so many different ways to make this work and so it's still it's still on the forefront of something we'd love to do um and uh yeah it's just a matter of making sure it's right so i'm actually really excited for the game to launch because i think once everybody's gotten a chance to play through everything and the full game and do runs and kind of get very comfortable with the systems i'm excited to see what kind of conversation that generates on our discord server to to see if anybody has a better solution than we've come up with so far or if we can kind of decide i guess as a community like yeah this is the right thing to do and then paul and i can kind of truck on and, and get something implemented so the version we played did have some drones. Have those been removed for the time being? Because there was a like a reload drone and a repair drone, I think. Yeah, so that's just a, a wording thing for us, actually. So my mistake on that, we do have, uh, we call them bots. So we have repair bots, ammo bots, and all of those oh. are still okay. We did have a system basically where we had drones that were outside of your ship, like hovering around and shooting at stuff. Uh, those are not currently in the game, but they've they've been a system we've been tampering with for a while and trying to play around with how that would work and stay balanced. And um, let's just say when you had 15 drones floating around outside of your ship shooting everything, it wasn't very fun. So we've stripped them back for the time being, but it's definitely something we're looking into as well. Yeah, like, yeah, like that might be something you replace a gun with. Like instead of a gun, you have like a drone control unit or, control unit or something where you control like a bunch of drones that do damage instead of a single gun, you know, something like that, you know? Uh, yeah. Or, to, or to keep even, in the of, uh, even in the case of a drone control, you hop on it like a gun and yeah, exactly. You could, you, you would set its priority. So you don't actually control the drones themselves. You set a priority for what you want the drones to target. And then they go and do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like, yeah. that sounds reasonable. That's very, very doable. Yeah, that's actually like that's a really good idea. And that's probably somehow like close to how this will end up functioning. There will be a day where this gets in the game. Let's face it. Like it's been requested so many times. Um, it's just a matter. Of yeah, that's 
<laughs> exactly. It's just a matter of getting it right because, you know, and this is what Paul and I do genuinely every week. We sit down, we have a question like this and we go, okay, well, how would this work? Okay, well, you can get on the drone and control it. Okay, well, you can target it towards something. Okay, well, what if you if you set this as its priority? How often should it hammer this thing? How much damage should it do? Should it do area of effect damage? Should it do single target damage? Should you have to get back on the thing to recharge it or retarget it? Like, should there be, you know, should players have to come back and interact with this? And like, that's kind of the rabbit hole that we end up going down. And next thing you know, like three hours have passed and we've designed like one new thing. Um, and that's just, yeah, what we've been hammering away at for years now. Yeah, I could see it being the sort of thing where you actually have to load it with ammo and then that loads the drones and then they do their thing. They go through whatever cycle it is. They come back to the ship and then you have to load another ammo in order to get them to do their thing again. And that's actually a really good idea. So there's one other area that we're kind of working towards is we're gonna we're planning to have another player ship in, in in the future. And what we want to do with player ships is not just have another layout because as much as that would still be fun, uh, we're really hoping to make them feel more like uh, almost like other games where it's been like different playable characters give you a whole different experience. So like if I use Slay the Spire for an example, uh, in that game when you chose a different character, the cards that you got were entirely different. So the game mechanics were the same, but the actual gameplay changed pretty drastically. So that's something we want to do with player ships as well. Uh, so something like that is a great idea where we've talked about, well, how do you use ammo in different ways? Because, you know, like instead of just traditionally shooting guns, like how can we add a little something extra to those ships? So uh, yeah, stay tuned. That that might be the right way to, to implement the next player ship. We have another question in the chat from Fernando. Uh, have you uh, considered a future expansion with player with versus player battles? Yeah, another very common uh, request from our community as well. So I think you've hit the top two there. <laughs> um, with uh, with boarding and, and PvP. Um, so again, uh, we, something we would love to do. Uh, we haven't got it confirmed on the roadmap, but it's definitely something that we're considering. Um, so um, like it, it, from, a, from a technical standpoint, then the enemy ships currently work in the same way as the player ships. So we could potentially have like a, a 2v2 or, or, or something like that. Um, one of the challenges that comes with that is just fitting that sheer amount on the screen. So whether we do that available for local multiplayer or just for online multiplayer, where we could like play a few tricks with the camera, uh, I don't know. But it's uh, something that we'll have to think about. But it, that is a that is a huge functional expansion, I would say. So um, it's it's something that we have to really think carefully about because it's you know it's at the expense of other features that we put, want to put in the game. Uh, but it's definitely on the uh, uh, on the uh, on the board in things that we're talking about. And just to take take a chance to give out a shameless plug on that one, it's really also there's going to be a lot of this that comes is based on the success of the game. The bigger the community, the more people who want to play, the more people who are asking for these features. A lot gives us a lot more validity to say, yeah, this is worth putting in all the time and effort to make sure that that works and that it's fun and all those other systems. So if there's enough games live and enough players and everybody's interested, uh, we will yeah absolutely look to expand more and more. So uh, on that note, if anybody's like you know looking to get the game and you want to give a nudge to you know a hundred or two hundred friends of yours, you know just fire away, <laughs> and uh, that would be really awesome to, to give us a hand and try to just yeah get the word out so that we can have enough players to make pvp something that's possible you think i have yeah you think i have triple much double much less triple digits in friends <laughs> all right I, mean, I, I appreciate a vote of confidence but you're blatantly but blatantly wrong you can print off some flyers head down to home depot you know whatever works just shogun everyone <laughs> watching no... everyone watching this stream and everyone listening to the podcast is one of our friends so there you go there you go you, enough. you have lots of friends <laughs> no uh there's no home depot in this country but i guess there are equivalents thereof uh <laughs> I mean, now speaking of PvP, just for a moment, 
I could see a sort of thing where you have an asynchronous PvP, where the layout of the ship and the characters that are on that ship, whatever skill levels they've bought uh, during the course of their run, you could submit that to uh, to a, like a leaderboard, and then other people can challenge that ship with the AI controlling that ship. You know that uh, yeah. could be fun. Yeah, that's, that's an option. The um the, the the core of that is actually something that we're definitely uh, thinking about uh, in general, which is uh, the kind of leaderboard or, or run based challenge. Uh, so the game currently is seeded, so you can play the same seed as someone else got, and then have the same experience, the same missions, and things like that to challenge them to see if you can do better. Where maybe they failed, uh, see if you can get further. So um, that's another um, thing that uh, is already in the game for people that want to push themselves against other players. Oh, that's cool. That's a good idea. You know, uh, that does give me an idea, though, at the very least, potentially one of the new encounters that we could add in the future could just be facing off against another player ship um, with like a similar loadout to yourself. Ooh. Yeah. See how you do. Yeah. Ooh, make, and make that a match. And make that an option if, if you want that in your run or not. You know, like I don't want any other players. Sh- like you can make that a toggle, 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 toggle. How do you say that? Toggleable. Toggleable. The, uh, the invasion mechanic in uh, games like uh, Dying Light. Dark Souls. Yeah, something that's optional. Like I do want that kind of, I, I do want other player ghost ships in my run. You know, that kind of thing. Uh yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a fun thing to add to a, to a run. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! So the game comes out uh, tomorrow as we record this, um, March seventeenth, and uh, there's about a year planned for early access. What kind of price range are we looking at? So the game will be um, nineteen ninety nine US dollars oh, or your local. That is a steal, you guys. That is an absolute <laughs> steal. I will have to ask uh, the inevitable question. Is there a four pack at a discount? So this is something that we, again, we got uh, asked a lot uh, and we tried to get, but unfortunately Valve have stopped supporting multi-pack bundles. Um, ah, so right, no. that happened. Oh, So yeah. we'd love to do it, but um, no, we can't, uh, I keep, can't I do it. I keep forgetting they stopped that because I still see some games that have those every now and again. I guess they got. I'm pretty yeah, sure they grand, were. Those were grandfathered. I was gonna say yeah. they got grandfathered in. Yeah, so I still see that every but now the, and again. For some inane reason, Steam like I, I get like no. I'm the reason the, the reason why they don't do it is because of refunds. That's the reason why they they uh, stopped doing flash sales during the sale uh, event, and the reason why they stopped doing the multi pack bundles is because of refunds. Because with those, it complicates the issue significantly. Mm, that's sad. I get it. Yeah, but it's sad. <laughs> it's it's Fair. really unfortunate sometimes. I mean, I understand where and Valve's coming from, why they've made the decisions they've made. But yeah, there's a few things like you can't do pre-order sales because again, what if the game never comes out or the developers, you know, bugger off and then you don't get a game later? Like people would be upset about that. And fair enough. So you can't do pre-sales. You can't do four packs. Like there's a lot of limitations on that. And I think it's just due to the fact that Steam's trying to cater for everybody, right? And the same thing with refunds. They've made a lot of that system automated, so you can do an automated refund if you're under X hours, et cetera, et cetera. And then yeah, it's kind of removed some of this functionality. So it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, it, as Paul said, we really wanted to do it. Like that's we this was a plan for a long time on our roadmap, and uh, yeah, 
uh, can't do with Steam. Possibility that when we hit other storefronts in the future, that might be something that we can do. But uh, yeah, for Steam, for at least for EA, it's not going to be not going to be happening, unfortunately. Mm. That's a shame. I get it with the refund thing. I do get it, but that is that is that is still a shame because for a game yep. like this, you'd want to like a four pack just makes sense. You know, it makes total absolute sense. But uh, yeah, ah, boo. <laughs> I mean, at the at the very worst, you do have the ability to gift a game yeah. to someone else. So yeah. it's tedious as hell to do that, but you can do that. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is so such a freaking process to do that. But yeah, that is an option, especially three times. Like, what if you want? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that's not how I want to spend an afternoon. Is gifting multiple Steam games. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's how long it would take is an afternoon. Uh, <laughs> so does anyone have any other questions before we start wrapping up? It's been well over an hour now, so we should probably start wrapping up. Uh, yeah, me actually. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Actually. No, go ahead. just that. I just wanted to talk to the devs offline for a moment after the show. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Thursday. Uh, Okay, uh, my question is, uh, what is uh, the plans for uh, for the future development? I mean, especially after after the, uh, leaving the early access, are there any DLCs planned or or something? Or uh, sorry, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we've got three main drops that we've got planned at the moment. As we've been saying, we are very community driven, so uh, we're going to try to promise what's going to go in these drops. But if we feel like there's a better direction to go in, we're going to do that instead. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, the, the big pieces are just like one more content across the board. I think it's going to be the, the main piece of the first update that we're going to do. So some new guns, new mini games, extra survival modes, new mission types, events, things like that. Uh, the second drop, we're going to try to make sure we have, again, just more of general content and everything in the game, but also we're going to be focusing on trying to get an extra boss into the game. And then for the third one is going to be like basically that 1.0 launch, and that's where we're going to be aiming for at least one new player ship as well as another content drop with more uh, of a little bit of everything right sprinkled in with guns and interactables and all sorts of that stuff so should be pretty content packed within uh, around this time next year ah, okay <sighs> any other questions good yeah, it seems like it's a good time to wrap up then it sounds like we is there anything we uh, did? Uh, I guess is there anything, uh, gentlemen, that we didn't cover that you got, want to get out there before we wrap up? So the game's coming out tomorrow, March seventeenth. Uh, so pick it up on Steam, and uh, if you like it, please you know leave a review and and join our Discord as well because we want to hear from people and and hear their feedback and hear their ideas. So um, all the links and everything are at um, thismeanswarp.com, and people can get playing tomorrow. Yeah, and- it's a really active Discord too. Yep. And the game and the game is great. We I think have all played it at this point, or I think most of us have played it at this point, and it is so fun. It is so even by yourself. And I, I know it looks like a bomber crew that type thing where you gotta have you know, and, and you you it can play with up to four people, but it's also got very competent bots. So you can play by yourself. Very competent bots, which is very important. So if you look at this and think, oh, God, I need friends. No, you don't need friends uh, to play this. I mean, it's great if you have it friends. If you have them. <laughs> yeah, it's great if you have friends, but you don't need them. You can totally play this by yourself and have a great time. 
Uh, we played two. We played uh, Spaz and I played uh, that stream will go live again tomorrow. I had to take it down, but it'll go back up tomorrow. Um, it was two of us and two bots, and the bots did a great job. They really did. They made it manageable. You know, they didn't make it too hectic, which is what you want a good bot to do. So, uh, gentlemen, oh, yeah, I, there is something I should mention. Okay, uh, before you before we wrap up, there is another feature that we haven't talked about, which is that uh, you can save a session. If the host saves the session, uh, quits and saves the session, you can pick it back up again later. Oh, that's good. That's good. I didn't know that. That's very good. That is, that is also if fingers crossed, anything crashes or breaks on day one, then that auto saves. So you can always jump back into your game if anything goes down. Oh, good. How often does it auto? Just in case uh, after every mission. Oh, it should be picking right back up where you left off. So that's also our safety net. If, uh, if anything happens or goes wrong for anybody, oh, that's uh, great. I do love yeah. a good liberal autosave. I do love, if you can't save anytime you want a good liberal autosave is the next best thing. So that is great. Um, so yeah, guys, the f- friends, the game is, this means warp. It comes into early access tomorrow as we record this, uh, March 17th, 2022, it's going to be $20 American or whatever that price is in your neck of the woods. And we, we can tell you uh, it is going to be great. It is so much fun. Uh, it's shockingly fun. I had, I had more fun than I was intending with it. When I saw it, I was like, oh, God, FTL. But I had so much fun with this game because it's got it's a great balance of seriousness and humor. Uh, it's It's very chaotic but not unmanageable. You know, it's the right kind of chaos. Uh, so I cannot recommend it enough. And gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, taking the time out of your busy day, especially the day before launch. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on to talk to us. And we'll definitely have to have you back once this hits 1.0 because we love hearing the journey from early access to 1.0. We love hearing how that goes. So uh, we'll definitely have to have you back. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. Uh, well, that's going to do it for uh, this week. Uh, next week, uh, folks on the show, um, I think, oh, no, I did offer it to a guest, but they took another date. So next week on the show, we are going to talk about freeware space games because uh, there are quite a few of them. And uh, and there are a lot of really good ones, too. Uh, so we're going to educate you guys on the space games you can play for no money down. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. Be safe, be well. And again, if you can, please, for for everyone's sake, please get vaccinated if you can. Please uh, do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your friends. It's really the best thing you can do to help us all get through this. So please, if you can, get vaccinated. And with that, we'll bid you a good day. Have a good one, everyone. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.